All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first podcast for me for 2020. Uh, this is going to be the review for your first unit test. We'll take this test on Wednesday, uh, the 29th of January. Um, what I'm going to do uh, is go through your study guide that we went through uh, in class. I gave you in class. There's 22 questions to it. Uh, on the test, there are 35 questions, <clears throat> uh, but because there's a lot of stimulus questions, meaning there's a quote, there's a chart, there's a map you have to look at. Um, and a lot of those questions have multiple questions. There's only 22 review questions. So just keep that in mind uh, that there will be 35 questions on this test. And because of all the different um, stimulus questions, uh, there's not as many on your, your uh, review. So if you want to take a minute, pause, grab the review so you have it or whatever you want to do. Or just listen along as we go. Um, it's fine. However you want to do it. All right. But uh, let's get going. So number one, the question is on the topic is going to be Federalist 51. Uh, and the question says, what was the argument in Fed 51? Uh, so it is a, a, a quote from the, uh, the paper. Okay. Uh, and you, the main thing to remember is that, um, Fed 51 was mainly about the separation of powers. Okay. Um, and keeping, uh, all the branches separate. Uh, we don't want to have one person, one branch accumulating all the power. So let's separate them. Okay. And, um, probably both both uh questions uh have to kind of deal with that and the power of the federal government and and how it's uh how it's separated out how it's limited okay um you know remember the federal government's power is limited not only by the, the separation of powers but also by the fact that um <clears throat> the states also have power sorry i was struggling there a little bit uh so the power of the the, the federal government is a little bit limited because of that. Uh, okay, question two deals with LBJ and federalism. Um, it says, what style of federalism did LBJ use? Um, I'm not a huge fan of this question on the review, uh, on the test. You really don't need to know creative federalism. Uh, that's what he used. Remember, that was, hey, you're going to do it my way or the highway kind of thing. Uh, the question on the test is a quote from Lyndon Johnson uh, in 1964, and you basically are going to interpret what you read in the in the quote and answer both questions on that so you don't really need to understand creative federalism it was just tough to write a question for this one uh but you know as long as you can read the quote i think you should be able to, to answer the question now you know you need to know what federalism is the sharing of powers and um the fact that that johnson um you know wanted to, to have that war on poverty uh and he he tried to do a lot of things for that for the great society and things like that but uh, at the end of the day, I think you'll be okay with this one. Just reading through the quote and trying to answer. Uh, number three, how do states feel about federal funding and federal oversight? So remember, they love federal funding. Okay, states, this is their allowance. Uh, they need this. It's going to be what gets them through uh, the day when it comes to their budget. Okay. Now, they don't like the federal oversight, though. They don't like the fact that the federal government does watch over them. Uh, it's not something they're uh, fans of because, um, well, they're just not happy with it, okay? Uh, because when the, the feds have that oversight, it means the states have to do what they're, they're supposed to do. Uh, they cannot uh, kind of uh, step over the line uh, of these federal guidelines when there's federal oversight at all. So that's why they, you know, they like the federal money. But at the same time, they don't like the federal money because it comes with the oversight occasionally. So, um, so yeah, there is a map on the on the test um, about 
kind of federalism. So you have to take some of that from that. Uh, number four, quote from Federalist 84 was, now if you look at your thing there, it says that it's not something we're going to cover. We didn't cover in class. We covered 10 and 51 for the Federalist Papers. Uh, but on the tests, the new the AP redesign, uh, one of the things they will do is give you stuff that's not from the materials we covered in class. They'll give you the information. So for this one, there's going to be a, um, a quote from 84, okay? Uh, I don't expect you to go home and read it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they'll give you the quote, and then you basically just have to, to analyze it, okay? Um, so, you know, don't freak out too much about it. I think you'll be able to get it. I think some of the answers stand out uh, as far as being the, the correct answers. Um, so, but it just, it deals with um, rights uh, with the government's survival, okay? Uh, next up, number five, Declaration of Independence, its origins and ideas behind the document. So once again, here's another quote. Uh, we'll get into the questions where there are no quotes here pretty soon, hopefully. Um, but it, it's a quote from Thomas Jefferson and uh, basically his life, liberty, pursuit of happiness stuff. And then you have to, to answer uh, some stuff based on there. You know, know the natural rights, know the uh, consent of the governed, know John Locke um, and his, his natural rights and things like that. Uh, and I think you could, should be okay. Uh, and just remember, you know, the, the first part of the declaration is the, the breaking apart. And then, you know, he lists the, the grievances, the reasons why we're breaking away. We weren't happy with the, these things that the government was doing. Number six, quotes from Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Um, once again, there's quotes coming from the uh, that that thing. You have to read into it. Uh, you know, just be familiar with Article 1. Uh, that's the one that sets up, sets up the legislative branch, Article 1 does. So, And it's mainly going to talk about the powers. So these are going to probably be something to deal with express powers or uh, enumerated powers. There's powers that are listed in the Constitution for the, the, the federal government to have. All right, number seven uh, is block grants versus categorical grants. And remember, block grants are the more free type money for the states. They don't have to they don't come with the strings attached that the categorical grants do. So block grants are the ones that the, the states like uh, because they can do more with it uh, without that federal oversight. Categorical grants, remember, these are the ones that do come with strings attached. So here's some money, um, but you have to spend it on this program or whatever it might be. OK, uh, or they, they're tied to, to something. If you don't spend the money here, I mean, excuse me, if you if you don't follow through this policy, if you don't do this policy, then you're going to lose that money. And remember, you know, the drinking age is an example of this categorical grant. Uh, they will take the money away if you don't do what you're supposed to. Now, on the test, uh, the question is going to be like when you saw in your quiz on Monday, it had the, uh, the table with uh, you know, one column devoted to block grants, another column devoted to categorical grants. Uh, you got to match up the two columns that have the, the correct answers. Okay. Uh, let's see. Number... Eight, weaknesses of the articles and the constitutional responses. So we did that handout uh, on the articles and the uh, Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. That'll be something to get a look at here. You just got to uh, know some of the weaknesses and how uh, the Constitution tried to solve them. OK, so, for example, I'm not going to go through all the weaknesses, but, for example, there was no executive uh, branch, no, no president type thing with the Articles of Confederation. They realize this is a weakness. So what they do in the, the Constitution, well, Article 2 created a 
presidential brand, executive branch. So now we have that. So just here's the problems. What's going to be fixed by it? Okay. Uh, in the, within the Constitution. Number nine, the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists. Uh, remember, the Federalists were for that strong central government. They wanted to have um, a large, powerful central government. Uh, they felt that uh, the, the large republic would do and keep everybody safe and uh, look out for individuals and their freedoms. Okay. Uh, Anti-federalists, they were against the strong central government. They wanted to keep the power in the hands of the state governments uh, because they felt that the they were kind of the opposite about the, the large republic. They would believe a small republic would be the best option to protect everybody and keep everybody's freedoms uh, in check, in place. Because the fear for the anti-federalists was, hey, if we get too big, the government's not going to do what it's supposed to do. All right. So uh, Federalists, large republic, big government, weak state governments, anti-Federalists were the opposite. They wanted that small republic with a small federal government. And then uh, the stronger, the strongest group would be the, the state governments. Number 10, Shades Rebellion and its effects on the articles. I think everybody's about sick of Shades Rebellion. Uh, you get it all the time. And uh, in your U.S. history classes and, and, and you've had it probably quite a few times just we need to understand it's it's going to show the weaknesses how does it do that well remember there was a call for help for massachusetts they needed some some military help and no one showed up all right and so that's going to to uh show the the weakness okay it really didn't just people people knew it was weak because they knew all this stuff was happening all right they knew there was no no president they knew the federal government couldn't tax and things like that so they knew it was bad just shades rebellion is what is going to shine the light on all those problems. Okay. Uh, where are we at? Number 11, explain separation of powers and checks and balances. So on the first quiz, people got these confused, it seemed like. So be sure you're understanding that separation of powers is just the different powers that the branches have. And we, we keep them separate so that one person, one group doesn't have the, the accumulation of those powers. Okay. So separation of powers is going to be the, the, the keeping away uh, of the, the powers and then checks and balances. Those are those things that um, we put in place to make sure that the branches, since they don't have all the power, they can kind of watch over the other branches. All right. Um, it does provide a couple different opportunities for people to, uh, to get involved. So, well, you know, um, me and you, uh, congressmen, things like that, whoever it might be, um, interest groups, political parties, whatever, uh, they have multiple places that they can get involved also because of the separation of powers and checks and balances. Uh, because there is a Congress, because there is a president, um, you can go to one of them instead of having to just uh, you know, go to multiple places. Uh, you can go see one of them and you can get uh, you know, maybe your, your thoughts and wishes are heard. OK. Um, number 12, what are concurrent powers? So uh, remember that concurrent powers are those powers that are shared between the states and the federal government. They can both do that. So, for example, they can both tax us. They can both, both enforce laws, things like that. That is the, the concurrent powers. Number 13, what does the Tenth Amendment do? I remember, the Tenth Amendment is going to basically be about the reserve powers for the state government. Um, as long as the Constitution does not specifically say they can't do it, 
a lot of those things are left to the states to make their own decisions. So as long as it's not specifically denied the state governments, uh, then they're allowed to make some decisions. So you know, things like coining money, that's only going to be the federal government. Creating federal courts, that's only going to be the federal government. What is federalism? federalism? Federalism is the sharing of power between multiple governments. So we have the federal government and the state governments. We could go further on down into the, the local governments and things like that. But for our purposes, we just stick to the, the federal and the state. Just is that the sharing of power that they have Okay, over us. Uh, number 15, how could Congress make changes to the driving age? All right. So this is kind of a scenario question. Uh, there's no quotes or anything like that, but it's, it's going to give you a scenario and you got to figure out, well, how can they how can they do that? OK, uh, because remember who controls the driving li driving driving license? That's each state. So what could Congress do? Um, well, you know, they could send out a mandate saying, hey, we want this done. And if you don't do it, we're going to take away funding from this program or where it might be. So they do have some options uh, that they can do. But that would be that situation would be similar to the drinking age in that it is a state thing. And the federal government could, uh, you know, say we want we want it this way. And if you don't do it this way, then we're going to take away this money. Uh, 16, Wisconsin versus Yoder. Um this is a free exercise case, remember, and free exercise states that uh, you can worship how you want to, as long as you're not doing something illegal. Okay. Uh, and Wisconsin versus Yoder, in this situation, uh, they felt that the state laws about education in school, I mean, uh, education in school, about uh, attendance in school was violating their rights, their religious rights, because the Amish wanted to pull their kids out of school at a certain age, a young age, like seventh, eighth grade, something like that. And so um, the courts are going to eventually agree with that. Okay. Um, number 17 says, know the philosophers, Montesquieu, Locke, Voltaire, and Hobbes and their beliefs. Remember, I know it's a long time ago now, but if you remember back to like the, the first PowerPoint we looked at, uh, or the second one or something like that, it was early on. I, I put up a list of the, the philosophers and I said, you got to know these people and you have to match them up. Well, that's what you're going to have to do. Okay. Uh, is match those people up with their beliefs. Okay. Um, so just keep that in mind. Be looking at that. Um, you know, Montesquieu was the separation of powers guy. Locke was the uh, social contract guy, the natural rights. Voltaire was the free speech and free religion. And then Hobbes was the, um, he was also, he, Locke took some of his ideas from, Hobbes, he was also the, the, the consent of the government and things like that. Uh, number 18, explain the three-fifths compromise. Uh, so another U.S. history type question here. Uh, remember, population in the states was going to count for two things. It was going to count for how much money you paid in taxes as a state and also your representation. Okay. And so uh, the South said, well, hey, we have these people here, slaves. Uh, they should count for representation purposes but they shouldn't count for tax purposes. So they wanted to, to have it that way. And then the, the North was the same way, except for opposite. They wanted the slaves to count for tax purposes, but not for representation purposes. So there's the argument. And so it's going to uh, boil down to the fact that uh, they have to come up with something. And so the, they decided to, to count three fifths of, of the slave population, basically. Okay. 
Uh, last couple here, number 19, explain the pluralist theory, elite and class theory, and the hyperpluralism theory. Uh, 19, I mean, a pluralist theory, remember, that's going to be um, the fact that there are government, I mean, there are interest groups, there are groups out there, um, and they are competing for the government's interest. Uh, remember, the the size of the republic here is going to kind of keep them in check, and, the, and the, all the different interest groups keep each other in check. Elite and class theory. Remember, this is where uh, we are being run and, and told what to do by the wealthy, the powerful, uh, big businesses and things like that. And then uh, hyperpluralist theory is pluralism on steroids, remember, from the PowerPoint. And they are going to be out of control and there's too many. And the government is trying to keep every one of them happy and they can't do it. Because when they make this piece of legislation that makes this one group happy, it upsets this other group. And then they try and keep that group happy. And it just, it, government doesn't work. It doesn't function that way. All right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 30. No, excuse me. 20. Explain confederation and unitary. So remember, unitary was the system we came from with the British, where there was a monarchy, okay, and a parliament that told us everything to do. We had no say-so as far as the colonies go, the little political subunits. And then uh, Confederation, remember, it got flipped on its head, the unitary system did. And, that, hey, the states have all the power. The colonies, former colonies have all the power. And you're going to have a very weak central government. And that was what we had under the Articles of Confederation. Number 21, explain the difference between dual and cooperative federalism. So, remember, dual federalism, this is the layer cake. This is where they stay in their lane. So, the, the state does their thing. The federal government does their, their thing. And they don't mix. Marble cake or cooperative federalism is where they are doing the mixing. They work together on certain uh, items and things like that. All right. And then lastly, the formal amendment process. Uh, just remember, there are two ways to create an amendment. All right. Uh, either Congress proposes and then votes on it, or we could have a national convention. Remember, we've never used a national convention. We always have just used Congress because they're already in place, they're already there. So why should we call a special national congressional, uh, I mean, a national convention to do something that's already been done, uh, that's already in place? And then once they've created it and voted on it, it goes to the states. And it can go to the state legislature, which is what we've used 26 of the 27 times. Or we could have state conventions um, and three fourths of the states have to agree to it. So 38 states must agree and sign off on them. They have seven years to get that done. Once it has been signed, it is a part of the Constitution. So remember, this is why it is purely legislative. There is no president that can veto an amendment and there is no Supreme Court that can say it's unconstitutional. Once an amendment has been passed by the states, it is constitutional and they can just interpret it. All right. Um, so there's that. If you have questions, uh, you know, you can uh, send me a remind message up until about 1030, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, 11 o'clock, you're pushing it. I probably will not respond back if it gets too late. So, you know, if you um, have questions, please try and get them to me early in the afternoon, even. And I'll answer them there. Uh, shoot me an email. Coach D underscore 1977 at yahoo.com. Remember, I do not check the school email uh, once I leave here uh, in the afternoons. OK, I'm also available in the morning. I'm here about 615 every day. I go and get me some coffee and then I'm back in my room by about 625, 630. Feel free to come by and we can go over anything you need to then. Uh, and we'll do the best we can. Test corrections. Uh, we'll have to talk about the schedule because I have a meeting Thursday after school and then I won't be on campus on Friday because of some gateway requirements that I have to go do. 
uh, but I'll be back on Monday. I think that's probably when the bulk of our test corrections will be. All right. I uh, hope everybody has a great night, evening, uh, study a little bit, and I will see you in the morning. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.